Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, helping to usher in the Little Wayne concert tonight. Got a little Got Money playing. There you go. He might be listening to our show, so he may hear this. I would love that. And his welcome to Charlotte. I would love that. If yeah. Lil Wayne was listening. Look. He I, loves sports. Uh, Wayne, if you're listening right now, I just want to let you know, in high school, when this came out, this song, this album, Carter <laughs> 3, we did not turn it off of Carter 3 unless you dropped no ceilings, and then we didn't leave no ceilings. Just want you to know that in case you're listening. I was working a job I hated. When that album came out, but but it uh, made it made your life better, right? Made your (laughs) life better for sure. Welcome back to the Wesley Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ Sports Radio 92.7, broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at PlanetKiaNC.com. All right, hit us up, Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. Hit that follow button on the socials, WFNZ on Twitter, WFNZ on Instagram, where you can follow our stories every day, giving you a little bit of inside look at what's going zones up in here. <laughs> oh, that's a big sneeze. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was just... And the Wesson Walker Twitter, man. So hit that follow <laughs> button. All right, and our personal socials as well on Twitter and Instagram. All right, we've been talking about it, man. Seven days left until we get to start talking about what things will look like, actually. But still reports out there, the vibe between Scott Fitter and Frank Reich. We heard in the audio that we played earlier, he said, we're getting close. Because I keyed in on that, the fact that he said we're getting close, mm-hmm. and the fact that he didn't say we know who our guy is going to be. I still think there are conversations going on, and people are still speculating that and saying that Frank Reich wants C.J. Stroud, and I'm going to throw in Anthony Richardson for my sake. Well, and that's what Tony Pauline said. Yes. I mean, that's what he said that he heard, at least. So, again, you you have the right to put as much stock into whatever you hear as you want to. Fair enough, whatever you want to do. But that's what Tony said, and I, it, who knows, right? Who knows what the divide is? And that Scott Fitterer wants Bryce Young, man. So do you think there's still a divide between these two and – how do you think they solve it? Yeah, I, I think the divide, right, it, it might be so small as to Frank Reich leaning towards one quarterback and then Scott Fitterer leaning towards another, and I'm sure like minds can disagree, also come to a decision that is still the best for the Panthers. And I, you, hear, you heard Scott Fitterer earlier this morning. Again, go check that interview out, WFNZ.com on the Mac and Bone page. But you heard that interview, and we've got some sound bites that we're talking about how they'll come to a final decision on Tuesday. Just mentioned that in the first hour. And I'm sure both of them are getting their notes ready and getting their power. I wonder if they use PowerPoints. I don't know what they're going to use, but they're going to show a video, maybe like air spoiler for Michael Jordan to try to sell that pitch. And we'll see who ends up winning, quote unquote. But it is going to be between Scott Fitterer and Frank Reich, according to Scott Fitter when asked about David Tepper as well. So I, I think... You know, sometimes you can make a huge big deal about the divide, who has the power, who's going to have final say. I think they can both disagree and then come together on somebody. They're going to have to at number one. I don't know that Frank Reich wants C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson, but 
that's all Frank Reich has had, that prototypical size at QB for so long now. I mean, it's it's just interesting because, like I said, so much goes into this pick. If you pick him and he's not the guy, both of you guys are going to be unemployed, plain and simple. I don't know which one would go first. Maybe Fitterer would go before Frank Reich would go. But that's the, that's the nitty-gritty of this thing, and I think that's why there's so much emphasis put on this. This will determine your job security uh, if you're either one of these guys. That, that's what this pick is, plain and simple. So I could see if Frank Reich – I just wonder if he doesn't want Bryce Young, just how much on the spectrum is he of not wanting him? Is he like, yeah, I don't really want him, but I can live with him? Or is he mm-hmm. like, yo, I do not want this kid. I feel like yeah, I'm going to think... fail if we pick this guy. I, it's so hard for me to fathom being outright against Bryce Young as the pick, right? I mean, you can be worried about the size, but we can all agree the dude was awesome at football last year. More than that. So... It's hard for me to believe anybody would be outright against picking him at number one. You might favor somebody more. That's that's perfectly believable. Right, right just strikes me as very old school. Well, and, you know, the, the thing I'll put some stock into is Stephen Holder, who is the Colts beat writer, works for ESPN now. He talked a lot about Frank Reich and his number one trait he wants to see in a QB is accuracy. Mm-hmm. And Holder put... You know, he put that out there. C.J. Stroud, ball placement specialist. I think that might be more of a reason to believe Reich like Stroud more so than the size. I think that was always overblown. And the reason I say that is because how many guys are out there that are even close to the size that is Bryce Young? That's the reason it's a problem is that there aren't too many QBs that are that. A lot of QBs are 6'3 or taller. If you're 6'1 or shorter, you're a short dude at that position. And so when when Frank Reich is working with Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers and some of these other tall QBs, like Andrew Luck was a stud coming out of the NFL draft. Of course, you're going to take him because he does have everything. He checks all the boxes, including the size. When you're going for Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers was the number four overall pick more than 20 years ago or about 20 years ago. So. Of course, he's going to be the prototypical size, right? I think just circumstance happened to line up with Frank Reich dealing with bigger QBs rather than him trying to find the small QB and then going against it because he didn't like it. There's just not too many of those dudes out there at the position. Average NFL quarterback height is around six two and a half, six three. Right. So, and we and and six three was the divide. And and so if it's six two and a half, six three, we're saying, well, Frank Reich has only had dudes taller than the average. QB height. I mean, okay. okay. I would imagine for an old school football guy that there would have to be some opening of the mind to want to draft the quarterback this size. And I think more so, I think the height may be a problem for him, but I think the weight though, because I think him saying, look, man, this kid's going to be playing at 185, 190. Like, you know, how many hits could this guy take? You think that much lower than 204? I mean, I I know people, and I, Mm -hmm. I, Totally. Not only do I understand, I agree with you. You put on all the weight that you can when everybody's eyes are on you and how much you weigh, and then you're probably dropping. But 15 to 20 pounds almost. You're going 19 if you go 185. They said he played around 185, 190. Because my thing is like, why didn't you want to get weighed at Alabama? Like, well, if you, yeah, I mean, some people run the 40 one time, and then if it's a good one, you don't want to give anybody else right, any but reason to But I think he ate his behind you. off. Sure. No, I'm, I'm with you. Shakes yeah. and all that to get to that 200. Just so they could say, all right, guys, shut up. I weigh 200 pounds. Yeah. Um, because, like I said, and I'm just thinking as an old school coach would think, I'd still take the guy. But, I mean, whew, bad weather game. You take a couple of big hits at that 185, boy, whoo, it's going to take a toll on you, baby. It, it, it might. 
I guess the argument to that would be it's going to hurt anybody. It's going to hurt. Nobody likes playing it, in the It's going to hurt for sure. So that's what I'm saying. So it's interesting. We'll see. I think, I mean, this is the, because I, as a 49er fan, I remember the Trent Baalke, Jim Harbaugh deal and what a bad relationship they had. And these are the type of decisions that can sever relationships or really put uh, big divides between guys uh, going forward. Well, uh, did, did Balky hire Harbaugh? It, it, or, or was Harbaugh already in place when Balky? I don't I mean, think so. I don't think I, I have to go back and look, but well, I don't think it went that way. Yeah, and, and we can look at that. But, but I know their relationship was off. Well, the, the thing though that you like here is that Scott Fitterer, the person that is making the decisions, was alongside David Tepper when they made the hire. Yeah. So it's it's not like so many of these other situations that you see where the head coach is already in place and then you go after a GM who wants to have his fingerprints all over the buildup of the roster and the coach disagrees and he's got some cachet a little bit because he's been here for a while. And so you don't have that. And I think the, the thing about both of these guys, by the way, they both seem pretty agreeable. I, I have not talked football with them behind closed doors any access i've had has been pretty much media access you know when they're speaking at the podium or any kind of interview that's the only access i've had to either one of these people but i don't think you've heard a whole lot of man they're they're tough you know they're tyrants behind closed doors so if you put both of those guys together on the same team i think everything should be able to work that uh, be worked out without any conflict all right turning the page the other panthers picks we're talking 39, 93, 114, 132, and 145. So to put it in layman's terms, they have a second rounder, a third rounder, two fourth rounders, and a fifth rounder. Now, would the Panthers be willing to make some deals? We know that that's how Federer gets down, but let's hear from him on his philosophy about this. As of right now, I don't see us trading the pick. We'll always pick up the phone, but I think we're in a position where we like where we're at, we're, we're convicted. But just philosophically, we'll always pick up the phone and listen. But it's, it's got to make sense. I mean, being able to get five of the top 150 players in this draft uh, should be beneficial. And being able to get three uh, of the top 100, again, should be beneficial as well for them. But, again, you just never know how the draft is going to fall. You never know who's going to be sitting there or who will fall out of the first round on day one, because we know that always happens. There's always somebody when they come out with that best value list after the first round is over. There's always a couple of guys that could be on there. And just looking at some of the mock drafts, you see, you see a Quentin Johnson from TCU on there. You see Zay Flowers in some second round mocks like these are going to be situations that will happen. On draft day, there's going to be some guys sitting there that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy's still available. You have to trade up to go and get this guy. And so do we think that the Panthers will make a trade? And we talked about that earlier. But if so, which is the most likely pick for them to do so? It either. So just to be specific, Scott Fitterer, when he was talking about the trade down scenario, he said he'll always pick up the phone. But that was with him talking about trading down from number one overall. And that seems to have lost. It's it's whatever kind of momentum it gained, right? Like, I know a lot of people are talking about that. I know Houston apparently isn't going to take a QB. That's been reported if Bryce Young isn't available. So maybe this picks up a little bit as the draft approaches. But if you're asking what's more likely, Scott Fitter trading down from 39 or up from 93, I would say trading back from 39. This is someone that values picks. And if he thinks there's value that you could – get more picks and still select a talented prospect a little bit later on, he's going to take advantage of that. 
I mean, this this guy loves to move up and down the draft board. It does make for a quite interesting few days if you're a Panthers fan that your GM likes to do that. I think it, four picks in the top 132, not a bad thing at all. And five picks, excuse me, five picks in the in the top 132 is not bad at all. And so I, I wonder if he wants to collect more to maybe shore up that gap between 39 and 93 because that's a big old gap between your second and third round pick. And so if you could do that, I think he would take advantage of it. I don't think he trades up, though. I think he values picks too much unless he sees somebody that he really likes in the fourth round. You get rid of 132, 145 to move up after your 114, something like that. But I think he'd trade back more than he'd trade up. Yeah, I think that they would, again, I think they would trade up, uh, in my opinion. I just think that, Later in the draft, like maybe third round or something, or you even think thirty nine. Like you think I they'd see go thirty nine being something because you have that extra fourth rounder there, and so ideally, for a team, you would like their first two picks to be bona fide starters. We know the number one pick will be a starter, but if you're sitting there, like I said, and one of these receivers drop that you feel like could be a real difference maker, you have that extra fourth rounder if you wanted to go up and make a move there. I feel like the Panthers have holes, but not so many that they just can't afford to spare one of these draft picks. Yeah, I if they like somebody well enough, I, I think I don't think they'd trade up from thirty nine. I just think that would be too much for them. What I could see them doing is maybe trading up from 93, right? So if they if they take whoever at 39, and then there's somebody that's available at 93 or, or at whatever, 80, right? However many picks you want to put in front of the next pick that they have, I could possibly see them packaging a fourth-round selection along with 93 and moving up one. I, I just – I think Scott Fitter, the thing that he's – the way he's operated so far is that he really values these picks. And he also talked about really valuing 39. So I, I wonder if he holds on to that or maybe tries to parlay that into a what 44, 45 and a 75, whatever number you want to throw out there. I see that scenario happening a lot more. Yeah. I, I, and another part of the theory is just how aggressive that they've been this offseason and going after things. Aggressive going after the number one pick. Aggressive going to get some of the players that they went and got. So uh, we shall see. That's what's going to make the draft so intriguing. So when we return on the Wesson Walker show, we're going to talk NBA playoffs. Dylan Brooks, the new NBA's bad guy. Do you love it? Do you hate it? That's coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. That's one of those songs I just, I never get tired of. When I listen to that song... Just never. The intro is great. Rings off. Thank you for taking care of our Snoop Dogg. <laughs> 
question today. We appreciate that. And it's a great Snoop Dogg song to come into. I remember MTV, this video used to run like thir- every 30 minutes. And you could not run from Snoop Dogg when this album came out. It's so funny having to go back because, so I'm younger. I have to go back because I don't live in real time when these songs yeah. drop, right? So I remember being in middle school or maybe early high school. And I remember the first time I heard Gin and Juice. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, this is awesome. Y'all heard this? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm asking people that are older, like, yeah, I like Gin and Juice. People are like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, do you like that song? I mean, yeah. No, I don't <laughs> like listen to it a lot. Ago. Yeah, no, I mean, I still listen <laughs> yeah, to man, it. Yeah, man, when some. those songs came out, MTV ran them in the ground. You couldn't run from them. But anyway, welcome back <laughs> to the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ and Charlotte FC Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. Snoop Doghouse. Yep. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match, so stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line. Only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. So hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. And so NBA playoffs are in full swing. The playoffs are getting interesting. You have some series tied. And so talking about one of those, the Grizzlies and the Lakers last night, Grizzlies get it done without John Morant, to the surprise of many. And so uh, Dylan Brooks had some choice things to say about <laughs> LeBron James. I think me and Fiddy probably enjoyed this very I much. I bet you did. I bet you guys did. Cue it up, Fiddy. I don't care. He's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, you shouldn't have been saying that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, <laughs> I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. Man, I mean, so... I mean, I guess if you give him 30, 35, he still know, doesn't I respect lo- that. No, thank you. You're, you're, 40 yes, the number. Those are the same questions I'm asking. W- one, you know, obviously it's after the confrontation that both of them had last night because Dylan <laughs> Brooks is going to get into confrontation with anyone. So, yeah, it's hilarious. Only 40? Like, you might want to give somebody some respect if they score 30 on you. Right. How, how many? That's what somebody should do. We should get our research team on this if they have enough time to see how many people have gone for 40 against Dylan Brooks. That's the question that I want to know. But, yeah, that that's the great one. And I know you loved hearing it. I know you loved hearing I Dylan did. Brooks talk about this towards LeBron James. Yeah, man, I like it because the NBA is just too nice. It's too many guys like each other. They want don't want to step on each other's toes. And I enjoy the bad guys coming in, the Draymonds, the Dylan Brooks, as it provides great uh, entertainment for the league. So, uh, the series so far, as far as them delivering like I thought they would, I feel like the NBA playoffs are fairly predictable. I mean, when you talk about things, I tweeted the other night that 
when a team gets a road win in a series, especially game one, you could pretty much bank on them getting blown out in game two. And we saw that. The Knicks got blown out. Uh, the Lakers got beat pretty good. Uh, the Suns bounced back and kind of smashed the Clippers the other night. So the the Kings and the Warriors have been the best series, even though the Kings are up 2 nothing. But both those games have been knocked down, drag out affairs. Then we saw the Heat get just obliterated last night. Sixes and Nets game have been kind of competitive. And then Hawks and Celtics aren't even, I mean, they should just stop that series. And right that's now. something we knew. But I think maybe game two went as what you thought it was going to happen. But the game ones in these series didn't. I mean, having the Clippers beat Phoenix without Paul George, I sure. know they got Kawhi Leonard. But that was surprising. And to see Golden State go down 0-2, I know about the road record, but you still have to give them the benefit of the doubt with all they've accomplished. So to go down 0-2 with Draymond Green ejected for a game three. Now that was the big part of that. that. That's huge. And then you even go to Miami winning game one. Miami looked awful in the play-in tournament. Like even the game they beat Chicago – it wasn't a great game for Miami. They just play an ugly brand of basketball. No, well, and and they do, but winning against Milwaukee, and I know Giannis going down had something to do with it for sure, but also Chris Middleton played pretty well in game one. So, yeah, I, I think they've delivered. I'm excited to see where this goes from here. I think there's a lot of uh, pressure on Phoenix right now. Uh, I mean, look, they were down 10 as you were approaching halftime. They had a huge swing within the last minute of the second quarter. Devin Booker hit a huge three. So, man, I think that really got the ball rolling for them to come out in the second half. But, yeah, I think it's been fun. And that's the type of stuff I expect from Phoenix. That's why I'm not too worried about them. I feel like they have so much firepower that they're going to be able to you know, overwhelm teams pretty much when they feel like it. I know they don't have much bench depth, but just that starting five is so strong. Yeah, I, by the way, with the, the NBA is too nice deal. I think you're starting to see a lot of players go at one another. Like, if you go to Milwaukee, Giannis has never been buddy-buddy like that. I, I like him, too. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, Giannis is awesome, but he's never, he's a nice guy. He's an amazing guy. But he's also not one to be working out with you during That's the right. offseason, and he's made that very Love clear it. he doesn't want to. Kevin Durant is back and forth because, yes, KD is friends with Kyrie Irving. James Harden, they're against each other. They're for each other. They've been on a roller coaster. But Russell Westbrook and KD going at it is some pretty fun basketball. And we know Russell Westbrook for himself, that's not anybody that's going to be buddy-buddy with players in the NBA. You get this from Dylan Brooks, LeBron James, they're starting to go at it. Jimmy Butler... He will let it be known if he's got a problem with you for sure, as he had the huge meltdown that he did with Minnesota, just taking a flamethrower to everything that took place with the T-Wolves. Like for me, I do think we have plenty of personality, especially with the stars in the NBA, to let it be known, hey, I don't mess with you like that. I'm here, and if you want to fight, I'm ready to go. I yeah. think there are some. Yeah, I do. And like I said, I, I enjoy it all the more, but I think we just need more of it on a night in, night out. And B's another and one of those guys. Yeah, like, just, he'll talk to you. I like the animosity. I want to mm -hmm. see some guys getting clotheslined. All right. Well, you played, you, you got football, I guess. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you got football for yeah, that, too. I, I want to see some of that. All right. So the Hornets, though, not in the playoffs, obviously, but some of their storylines that you have going on right now. And I brought up the question the other day. The Hornets have some impending free agents with a lot of moves to make. And the reason why I brought this up is because they're going to have a high-value draft pick coming in. And I think they need to start kind of forming their identity. What type of team 
are they going to be and who's going to be their big three, so to speak, their big two? What's going to be the pecking order of this squad? So I said, of the free agents available, if you could only keep two of them, who would it be and why? This was very easy for me, and there are plenty of decisions to make, but it's going to be P.J. Washington and it's going to be Dennis Smith Jr. Those are the two guys that I'm bringing back. I had been singing their praises all year long. I want defensive-minded guys to help out. Because Lamella was not a defensive-minded player, but he's pretty clearly your star, so you're going to have to counteract that a little bit. If Terry Rozier is coming back, which he has not been traded despite being listed in many rumors, he is not a defensive stalwart, so you're going to have to have DSJ to help Lamello out, especially when those two guys are healthy and can be out there on the floor. Miles Bridges, look, if he comes back, which we all kind of predict he will, Miles Bridges will get beat back door constantly. And P.J. Washington is a better defender that can also shoot better. Like, we have one outlier season of Miles shooting the three ball well, and that was two years ago, or or even three, right? He didn't play this last season, so it makes it a little difficult to express the timeline. But he has three seasons of his four where he shot 33% or lower from three-point range. The one season he shot 40. P.J. Washington has never shot anywhere close to 33. Like, his worst three-point shooting percentage season was this past year, and he shot right at 35 So, yeah, I I want P.J. for defensive insurance, shooting to spread the floor, and I want D.S.J. because he's also a very good defender, and I think he earned a pretty decent contract last year. But what does P.J. Washington fit in once you bring him back and if you bring Miles as well? Like, what, what does he fit? Those guys fit on the floor very well last year or the last time that Miles Bridges played. And so I think you would just do that again if you're bringing back Miles. But if you pay him like a star, I mean, this is a guy averaging 16 points a game. I'm sure if he starts to get paid like a star, he's going to want to play like a star and try to take shots and things of that nature. Yeah, But PJ does whatever he's asked to do. I mean, he didn't He's been versatile in every mold, every single type of role you've put him in. Mm -hmm. Right? We saw it this year. They needed him to score because everybody was hurt. (laughs) I mean, this is his usage percentage was in the 82nd percentile, according to cleaning the glass. Like, he'll never have that ever again, ever. He'll never have a usage percentage that high in the rest of his NBA career because you're going to have Miles come back because hopefully LaMelo doesn't only play 36 games. And when you say getting paid like a star, we already kind of looked at the contracts. If you're paid like a top 70 guy, that's going to be around $20 million per year. P.J. is a top 70 player. I don't have any problem saying that and projecting what he could be in the NBA, especially with what he was able to show versatility-wise. You know, I'll bring what up... What if block. you get Wimby? I mean, yeah, it doesn't change anything. I mean, what, Wimby doesn't change anything as far as bringing those two free agents for me. Mm. Who, who are your choices? I would just go with Dennis Smith, and that would be it. I'm well, going to break the thing. I'm not going to say two. If okay. I have to choose two, I'll go him and you don't have to. Maladon. No, I'll go him and Maladon because <laughs> yeah, Maladon's on, on the rise. Because <laughs> I let Ubre walk. I let Washington walk because I want to start to shape the, the identity of my basketball team, especially if I'm able. I'm working under the premise if I get Wemby or if I have that second selection and I decide to keep it. I want to start figuring out who is my big three, who is my, uh, I guess, Big four, if you want to say it, but mainly a big three. So if I have Miles coming back, Mello, Miles, Terry, and my draft pick, that's four guys already as it is. But Terry Rozier, he's not going to be in the long-term plans. Right, but he's going to be here at least for another few seasons. You think so? His contract is what, two more years? Oh, his contract's long, but man, this guy was in trade talks this past trade deadline. Right, but I'm working under the premise that you don't trade him, that he's going to be here. I'm just working off who's here well, I mean, well, in that case, Gordon's here for another season. 
You know, so that's thirty. So yeah, million. that'd be all the more reason for me to let them go. Uh, but but why don't you just trade Gordon or Terry instead of have PJ? Right? Like, well, no, but it's it's the same thing. You can move off right. of any of them. Well, this is our scenario. We we weren't talking about trades in here. We were just talking about free agents. But we can have this baked in the cake. <laughs> we can have this baked in. Like I'm telling yeah. you, why I would like those two guys. But back. then if this baked in, you're trading Terry. You're trading Gordon. Yes, yes, and I'm keeping PJ because look, you say paid like a star. Twenty million per year is not paid like a star. Like, and that's on the high end, by the way. That's if he reaches twenty million dollars annually. Plus, the cap is going to go up. That has to be considered when talking about paying PJ twenty million then, annually. But then you're talking about potentially paying Miles because if he comes back, say if you put him on a prove it deal and he comes back and play like he played Miles two years ago, then you're gonna probably give him a big payday at the end of the season. Melo's coming up. I mean, your draft pick's not making any money, but yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. I don't know what Miles is going to make. I have zero clue. I, I really don't know if this is going to be a situation where another franchise comes in, drives up the price, and then the Hornets are feeling like they have to match it. Does it get over 25 mil now? Be- I, that That's a real question. I, I don't know what Miles is going to Because make. ideally for my team, if I had this roster, I would want, if Miles came back, all the other stuff aside. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if Miles came back and was the same guy he was two years ago as far as just an ascending young player looking like an all-star, I want my big three to be Miles, whomever my draft pick is, and Melo. That's going to be my big three. So then from there, I'm just building around them. I know defensively, I'm definitely going to take some hits. So I got to go get some role players that are going to play some defense around those guys. But P.J. Washington paying him $20 million to do that, I just would not personally want to do that. But that's that's my main premise for this is just kind of figuring out who your guys are going to be as far as just your when you walk into a series, hopefully you make the playoffs. Who's your big three against their big two or big three? Go ahead, Fiddy, you had something? They need to clean the slate. I mean, you've got LaMelo, you've got Everybody but Melo is what you're saying? You no, know, LaMelo, <laughs> Mark Williams, assuming Miles. Yeah, Mark comes Williams back forgot because about you're not him gonna, in the equation. You're, you're, you're not gonna be able to move them. These players have won nothing together. Yeah, and, and so I'm of the premise that Terry and Gordon Hayward, if you can trade them, whatever you get for them at this point, you trade them for. Oh, we don't disagree on that. You know, P.J. Yeah. Washington, I don't think he's a core player on a playoff team and anywhere in the NBA. I think he's a rotation player. And, and so I like on a well rotation player, <laughs> not on a playoff team is what you're saying. I mean, like, dude, if you put him on any team in the East, he's coming off their bench. He's I mean, not starting for any team in the East. Oh, I don't think that. Yeah. I, well, I mean, because I, I, I mean, I know you think he's awesome, but his awesome translated to 15 and a half points this year. Yeah. Wait, hold on. 15 and a half points don't get you a starting job. I mean, that's you need to look at. Yeah, I think he starts for teams. Yeah, I mean, maybe like maybe what are you talking about. I just wouldn't want him with with the draft pick coming in. That's that's my only reason. Yeah, I, I, just, I wouldn't I, want to give him 20 million. I just look at a guy that's got four years of of, of Ooh, inconsistent play up and down. I'm not investing in him for another four years. The, the thing is, the consistency stuff, man. Offensively, it can come and go. But this year, he had to play in a completely different role. And then if you look at his stats last year, the year before this past season, they were good. They were just outright good stats. If you want to go check out his basketball reference page. I'm and looking then, at it. And then even this year, you want to talk about a clutch performer as well. P.J. Washington actually finished with the fourth highest field goal percentage in clutch time scenarios right behind De'Aaron Fox when it came to guys that attempted 50 or more field goals in those moments. But I feel like I could go find a gritty kind of decent stretch for that can play some defense to replace 
the defense that he brings. For, like, for I don't need a scoring. So for what? Like, for, I mean, for what? Twelve million is what you're saying? Yeah. Or for, Something like that. Yeah, around in that around that era. I mean, it doesn't have okay. to be a guy that's a, a a great score, but a guy that can hit hit a three for me when I need him to. He's not play good million. gritty defense. I mean, okay, again. I think he's worth $20 million to somebody else, but not for the Hornet. This is going to be the problem, though, right? When when he goes out and then he does something like Malik Monk is doing, and then the Hornets had that guy in their yard and they decided to let him go, that's going to be a real problem. What? Except PJ is going to provide better defense. Well, if you got defense. Wimby, Melo, Miles, Mark Williams, you good. I'm not worried about what, what PJ goes and does but, somewhere. And right. also, look what uh, Malik is surrounded by. He's got a veteran head coach. De'Aaron Fox has proven to be the best point guard in that draft class. Sabonis is an all-star caliber player. Harrison Barnes is one of the best vets in the NBA. Like He's in a good environment. Oh, okay. This isn't a good environment. Yeah, let's keep PJ to create it, though. Right? Like, PJ could create... Four years, really... though, he's created nothing of a good environment. Uh, how are you putting this on PJ <laughs> is my question. I'm just saying, for four years, he's been here, and has he done anything to build a good environment? So, you can say that literally about every person within this organization, from the GM to whatever player you want to name. And that's why I said they need a clean slate. Except for LaMelo, except for Mark. Mark Williams. Yeah, everyone else, I'd blow it up and start over. Yeah, I think it would be a mistake. I think you're getting rid of defensive-minded guy that can also mold into whatever role you need him to play. The cap is going to go up. 20 million is not a part of a three. Like there's not, if you're a part of a big three on a championship team, that person is making more than $20 million a year. And you're getting rid of somebody that can acquiesce to that type of role. Mark Williams, Victor Wimbanyama, he don't play the same position. He plays small ball five or four and even can play some three. Picking up Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry, also guarding the all-star you mentioned in DeMontis Sabonis. But you're not going to pay that. And now you're going to have to ask one of the stars to play defense, sacrificing offense. Yeah, I mean, you're losing a, a guy that allows the stars to do what they do. And I find a lot of value in that. I just go find me something off the scrap heap. I, I mean, you act like it. <laughs> that's, that's what I do in that in that sense. Well, not off the scrap heap, though. 50-second flash of the day. Let's get it. <laughs> mm. I don't really know what I have to say because... Uh, your <laughs> okay, what you, what you got for us, <laughs> yeah, Your Your capping for P.J. Washington has really just taken everything... Wow, that, if you don't have anything. I, I really don't okay. have nothing because I, I am that mind-blown for <laughs> that type of guy to get that type of praise. Well, do we need to not do we need to trade you because you're not dynamic enough to handle PJ and other responsibilities? Where are you going to trade me to? Um, you want Troppy to come in here and stand on chairs? The S I want Troppy to come in here and play GTA while running the show. I would actually love to see that, to be honest with you. All right, no Fitty Flash. <laughs> we'll just move right on. Thank you, Fitty. Appreciate it. All right, when we come back, Fire Fizzle is about to be lit on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say... They're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Time to get the vibes back up here after Fitty threatened to quit with PJ Washington conversation. He hates him that much. The PJ no. hate is real. No, I hate your assessment of PJ Washington. Your your willingness to call him awesome is what I hate. You hate the word awesome too. Well, because you use it just very loosely. I said it about Greg Olson when he was traded, and that really got the ball rolling for you. Yeah, because he how... wasn't awesome in Chicago. He was good. Mm-hmm. What, what, <laughs> What's it? no? I would I want the semantics from one Fitty, the professor, the English professor. The difference between good and awesome. So, yeah, like, I'm sure there's something different. Like, awesome, maybe what? Great, spectacular, extraordinary. What is the difference? What is the gap between awesome and good? Wes, if you opened up the dictionary mm-hmm. with Let's awesome beside, you know, you, 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 you looked at what, what awesome meant. Would you expect to see P.J. Washington's uh, photo there? <laughs> no, I would say no in that in that case. Thank you. Case closed. Uh, defensive case. <laughs> <laughs> that's the case. That's I mean, the nail you, in the coffin. You wanted me to explain it. He just said it. You know, I'm going to say no. Extreme, I speak for Flounder. Flounder would say no. The definition, extremely impressive or daunting, inspiring great admiration, apprehension, or fear. That is the definition. I didn't know any of that other well, y'all stuff. Y'all cutting into my damn fire fizzle. So, you know you what? Know. You got you 10 minutes. Hours. You got 10 Let's minutes. Go. All right. You better take, look at it, 145. Uh-huh. I want 10 minutes of fizzle. Let's get to it. Fireman. <laughs> Five 10 minutes man. of fizzle? Fireman. Fizzle, you're Let's fizzle. go. Fire or fizzle for Wes. A 10-minute long edition. Top five TV shows of all time in honor of the end of Snowfall. Ozark up first. What you got for us, Wes? Well, listen, everybody remembers the pandemic. And everybody remembers when you were on Netflix trying to find that show to watch. And I found an all-timer. When you're talking about Marty Bird and Wendy Bird, and the show starts off action-packed from the jump. Listen, I wish I had a mouthpiece as good as Marty Bird. This guy talked his way out of anything. Gun to his head, life about to be over, and he comes up with some type of scenario. Now, you talk about a good GM that could work the board on draft day. It's Marty Bird. Yeah, no He'd doubt. be up there. Listen, I can give you, I can give you four picks, and, and, and then I'll send money. I'll send money. That and sounds then, panicky, though. That's, that's how he Marty. was, though. Yeah, Remember at the beginning yeah. when he had the gun to him and he was going to kill him? He's like, listen, I can launder your money. I'll move to the all socks. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do it. That's what he did all the time. And then Wendy Ruthless Bird. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you talk about a woman that had the heart of Lucifer himself. Mm. Okay, you talk about devil's grass. Well, this woman was full of it, and they had to launder money to save the family. All the twists and turns, the anxiety. This was an anxiety-inducing show every time. Every episode I watched it, my stomach was just churning. And the kids, Charlotte with all that mouth, Darlene. I mean, there was so much greatness in this show from an acting standpoint. How could I ever front on this? One of the greatest shows of all time. You know what's coming. I know what's coming. Ozark was straight. Fire all timer. Pandemic shows. Any show, anytime. It's exactly what I watched during the pandemic. Is that getting it cracking or what? It does. Um, it does. I you say, does it get any cracking? Does it get us? Is that cracking? getting it cracking? Oh, okay, it is. It is getting it cracking. I'm sorry I did not hear you the first time. The second show that you have on the list of top five shows ever. Could they be top five? Money Heist. Something I've not seen. You tell me, why should I? I learned about this show. Watching all the smoke, 
And I kept hearing all these guys, another pandemic pantheon show. And I kept hearing guys talk about how they were into Money Heist, how dope it was. And so I said, you know what? Let me give it a chance. And then I started watching. And then I, I fell off it after two episodes. But then I got back in it. The Professor. Tokyo. Berlin. I mean, all the countries were covered pretty much. Nairobi. Denver. You had hot women. You had drama at every turn. The show was so smart. That's what I liked about it. This was such a smart show. The way the heists were put together, it was just so dope. You know, you watch some shows and you're like, man, this is so unrealistic. And this show is not lacking that. But the show was just very smart in the way they executed it. Again, another anxiety-inducing show because you wondered how they were going to get out of it. You wondered how they were going to pull it off. The show went from getting canceled in Spain to becoming one of the top shows in the world. And then Netflix came back and they said, we need you to go back in because this show is so fire. So if Netflix says it's fire, to add on two more seasons, I believe it was three. (laughs) The death of Tokyo is one of the greatest deaths I've ever seen on a TV show. I rewinded it back three times. Money Heist. I think you know what this is. Money Heist was straight. Fire! I believe I can't believe you haven't seen it. I stand corrected. You're going to go well over 10 minutes, so I stand corrected on all of that. We need all the time we can, so let me shut up and throw Seinfeld to you. Fitty just got on it. You tell me, fire or fizzle. I've seen Jerry Seinfeld in commercials. I've watched the show at certain times when I see that it's on because I wanted to see what all the fuss was about. This is a fizzle evaluation so far. And you know, (laughs) (laughs) the little music comes on. You know what I'm saying? It comes on and it's just, you know. I do know what you're saying. I don't get it. You know. So, um, wow. Elaine and, you know, the different characters. I did like Elaine, though. Elaine was was pretty hot. But, you know, Costanza and all that stuff. People just acted like this was just the funniest show ever. But what did I think of it? Well, I already told you, I only watched a few episodes of it because when I turned, I never laughed. So that means that Seinfeld, you can at me all day at Westcott Range and at Westcott Range 704 on Instagram. Seinfeld is straight. Fizzle, you take get it out of here. Overrated. Is that, is, is that good, Fiddy? Do you agree that it's fizzled so far in your young Seinfeld watching career? Uh, look, it's no longer young. I'm in season eight of nine, so I'm almost done with the show. It's not fire, but it's not fizzle. It's just... It's, it's simmering? It's just a show. Okay, very good. <laughs> Two and a half men, another right. sitcom we talked about yesterday. Alan Harper could not be more fizzle. I can't <laughs> stand that guy. But the show in general is up to you, Wes, to say whether it's fire or fizzle. My mom put me up on Two and a Half Men. Oh. And I saw it, and at first when I used to see it was on, I was like, eh, you know, whatever. I didn't pay it much attention. But then I got hooked. I think that's the show that I watch the most reruns of every day. If nothing else is on, I'm going to watch it. And even if something is on, I'm going to watch it. Some of the most beautiful women. Oh, my goodness. I still go back and look up women on that show to see what they look like now. Charlie Harper, and then I even started to like the ones with Ashton Kutcher. So for that reason, Two and a Half Men, a Pantheon show for Wes Bryant is straight. Fire! I aspire to be Charlie Harper in some way. And I was hoping... 
<laughs> Some ways. You see, I put that caveat. Uh, yeah. Um, like the beach house and stuff. I'm, I'm, I want to ask the questions in what ways, but I don't want you to get you in trouble. Yeah, don't, by the way, yeah, yeah. By the way, nothing hurt me more than to know my grandma watched Two and a Half Men. <laughs> I had a lot of questions, and also I wanted to run away from that statement all at the same time. Last one, Snowfall. The finale was last night. Everybody was tweeting about it. So were you, Wes. You tell me, Fire Fizzle. What a journey we've been through, everybody. We went from young Franklin State, going to college, not having the money to be able to get his degree, to going to the streets, starting out as a low-level weed dealer, and then graduating to the kingpin who ushered in the crack era of Los Angeles. But we will not glorify that lifestyle on here. There were many deaths. There were many people's lives who were changed because of that drug. And last night, they took us down a journey that showed you how it all ends. People you can't trust. A man that once had it all. The greed for money. The ruthlessness. Had him wind up in a house with bad teeth, a tore up, uh, a tore up tank top t-shirt, tore up khakis, and just living a life that nobody would want to live. He became a squatter. And that's the way they showed you, kids. You get out there, you get in the street, and you think it's all gravy. And it just ends up not being wavy for lack of rhyme right there. I shed tears over this show. I enjoyed this show for many years. The characters, the lessons it taught, the fantastic acting. This, folks, is probably my favorite show of all time. If you have not watched it, you should. Snowfall is straight fire. Goodbye to one of the fantastic shows of my time. Cut that music off. All right. Get rid of it. Fire Fizzle. It's done. I think most of the people all agreed with your takes on Fire Fizzle today. I think everybody agreed with them, except for maybe a couple texts, but most of them agreed with you. So approval rating, very high for one Wes Bryant. We'll come back <laughs> with the last hour of Wes and Walker, <clears throat> straight from Fire or Fizzle, going into the latest edition of the Prospect Duels. Am I going to get the dub today? you got to stick around and find out. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.